Tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. guys. You know, I had to ask them if I should pay for the kid, but they, you know, they said I should. So. They were right, too. That's only 10 apiece. Correct. The price is 15. Dylan charges 10. Recession prices, because they told me to tell you that, too. They made a deal with Mickey for 15. Yeah, yeah, but the way they got it, uh, Mickey got in a fight with a whore, the dumb shit, and now they got him in a can, and you're filling in for Dylan, and you get what Dylan gets. No more. You talk to Dylan. Uh, take it up with him. Dylan's dead. Dylan died this morning. Sorry to hear that. Sure, sure they are. It's gonna cost them more. You know, this business is a business of relationships. Yeah, and everyone loved Marky. You are a cynical bastard, you know that? To reclaim the American dream and reaffirm that fundamental truth that out of many, we are one. You hear that line? Line's for you. Don't make me laugh. For one people. It's a myth created by Thomas Jefferson. Oh, now you're gonna have a go at Jefferson, huh? My friend, Jefferson's an American saint because he wrote the words, all men are created equal. Words he clearly didn't believe since he allowed his own children to live in slavery. He was a rich wine snob who was sick of paying taxes to the Brits. So yeah, he wrote some lovely words and aroused the rabble and they went out and died for those words while he sat back and drank his wine and fucked his slave girl. This guy wants to tell me we're living in a community don't make me laugh. I'm living in America, and in America, you're on your own. America's not a country. It's just a business. Now fucking pay me. Jakub Perez. Yeah, Jakub uh, alias Carlos. Um, we'll, oh, get, yeah. we'll get into that. Okay. <clears throat> so I sent you that thing, right? You saw that open letter to the editors of Jacobin and Monthly Review. Uh, I started reading it, and I and then like before you sent it to me, I started reading it, and it sort mm-hmm. of irritated me so much that I stopped because it's so fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. And then you sent it to me. You told me to read it. And I started reading it again. And I was like, why am I reading this? This is some idiot liberal with their liberal issues with socialist issues, you know? And it's like, we need to get through this point. Liberals and socialists are not the same thing. And socialists, real socialists, hate liberals just as much as conservatives hate liberals and just as much as we hate fascists, right? 
And I'm just tired of the way that they're constantly trying to fucking take over politics with idiotic color flags instead of actual fucking issues like putting bread on the fucking table and like having access to fucking healthcare. So now this guy is running an election in Ecuador and is a socialist and has a good chance of winning. So what does the CIA fucking psyop liberal motherfuckers do? They run some guy draped in a rainbow fucking flag saying that he's the eco guy. It's like, why don't they just run Elon Musk then, you know, with his fucking battery attached to his back, you know, like, ah, anyway, you did this to me. You knew it was going to piss me off and you fucking did it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. It's interesting to look at the phenomenon of Yaku Perez from the point of view of Judith Butler's idea of performance, because really this guy is all performance and he's really an affectation and he's his own gender all to himself. He is a uh, the neoliberal gender. He is the CIA psyop neoliberal gender that exists to make sure that the Monroe Doctrine, that the United States of America, that some love so much, has inflicted on the rest of the continent for hundreds of years in order to extract uh, all sorts of mineral wealth and to oppress the hell out of the people who live in those countries. Um, and I hope that there is a pan-American movement that gets together and eventually kicks the United States in the balls and gets them out of their business forever. End of story. Um, this guy even what? changed his fucking name. I mean, get out of here. Yeah. Can I call Did him Carlos you... for the rest of this this thing? Well, we'll we'll have to come up with do some we, way. Do we have an Ecuadorian Beto O'Rourke situation? Is that what this? Is? I'm afraid there's something. Like okay, that. okay. But you you said you wanted to table that for later in the discussion. We'll 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 uh, we'll get into everything, but okay. um, we should probably get on the table like what happened. So yeah, just to. Just to say, like, the basic situation, I come across this thing on New Politics, newpoll.org. It's from March 2nd. It's an open letter to the editors of Jacobin and Monthly Review. A bunch of academics are scolding and shaming and bullying these uh, socialist or light socialist or whatever you want to call it publications into retracting articles that they published. And the articles were about the elections in Ecuador. Um, about oh god what's his name marco what carlos Araos, his name are we talking about andres Araos or about yes carlos that's the election he, he, Perez? yeah right okay so Araos got the majority and then yaku perez so they're going into a runoff and it might split the left because this guy's there and then it may benefit the right so the articles are saying you know, this guy's doing the work of the right. He's calling himself a uh, eco-socialist, indigenous, anti-extractivist, anti-statist leftist and so forth. And it's um, kind of like an anarchist, neoliberal left type, I think. But um, in the petition, there are basically, it's like, you know, the usual suspects of academic leftism. I think Judith Butler's on there. And uh, the point you mean, is You mean that, the lady that, that supported the woman that raped one of her graduate students? Uh, she didn't rape her graduate student. Oh, yes, uh, she, she did. Just, she she just forced him to, to rape to one of her graduate students and yes, used his grades 
as a yeah. way to fucking force herself on the guy. And then, yeah, but let's be honest. I mean, Butler. let's be honest though. He 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 went with that if, as long as it behooved him professionally. Yeah, and then Judith Butler didn't me too. She just said, "Oh no, no, no I believe the That's the right. lady who was That's in the right. position of power over the guy because she's my friend." Correct. You mean that feminist? Cool. I just want to make one. sure yeah. we're talking about the same feminist. Yeah, the same Judith Butler. All right, cool. Um, so yeah, basically we have this sort of, I don't know what you'd call it, like, dare I say, AOC in Ecuador, who's, who's, um, you know, defaming and denouncing and so forth the, um, um, the socialist candidate who might actually win. If you could imagine, for instance, for instance, like AOC ran against Bernie Sanders. And um, no, you mean that Elizabeth Warren, right? I was right going to say we don't really have to imagine if I think. I yeah, know I know, but I think this guy Perez is a little bit more left than Warren because uh, I don't know. We'll, we I can mean, talk he, about it. You he saw is it. a I mean, little bit more indigenous than Warren too, though. Like, yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah. he's actually indigenous. But no one is more indigenous than Pocahontas. Mm. You can't say that. You sound like Trump. <laughs> what was the song I? The mini colors of the wind was that it mm-hmm. from the from the Disney cartoon? Yeah. So, anyways, the idea was like, you know, what is the function of this stuff? Like, what's happening? I mean, there are some people here sitting next to me, right? Um, who think that who think that that that's just that's just the metier of the left? They just sort of get in there and fuck things up. So, well, yeah, I like I I'm not I don't consider myself a part of the left. Uh, like, what what do I see here? What is it? New newpolitics.com is that or dot org? Right, because it's non for profit. Some right. sort of NGO type uh, organization. They've got an, an open letter to the editors of Jacobin and Monthly Review. Uh, this is, from what I understand, it's um, a group of liberal or maybe some call themselves left academics um, who took issue with positive coverage of the uh, candidate in the Ecuadorian election. Well, and the who, criticism, like in those articles in Jacobin, like the one on Monthly Review now, you have to get the archived version because they took it down. And um, it's pretty rough. Like the final line is, this guy's a shill who's going to destroy the pink tide. And he supported the coup against Evo Morales and uh, Lula and Dilma Rousseff. And uh-huh. uh, I mean, it's it's rough, but if it's true, then mm-hmm. it's true and that's that. And what's shameful, the Monthly Review, that this is, okay, call me a boomer, but... I mean, it's so shameful. I fucking got on their webpage and I sent them a comment. I was like, you should be ashamed of yourselves for taking that down. Because if you, if that passes editorial muster, if that is good enough to publish in the first place, uh-huh. then it's good enough to stay up and you should stand behind it. You shouldn't take it down by getting bullied by, you know, a couple of woke scolds or whatever. Because, I mean, if it's good enough to put up in the first place, it should have been true. And the irony is... That if the argument in there is right, that this that this is that this Yaku Perez and his Pachacutic party are basically just ways that neoliberal imperialists um, destroy socialist socialist groups by poisoning it with identity politics, then it's especially ironic because you get a bunch of uh, you get a bunch of um, basically rad lib. Anglophone academics mm-hmm. to shut it down, and then they take the article down. So, besides 
besides that kind of broad assertion against this candidate, there, uh, I'm trying to keep track. There were, it seems like in the monthly review piece, there were some specific accusations. Oh yeah. This was a, this was a candidate who. This guy's got some dirt. Okay. And is, but is that what this petition from these leftists and liberals, is that what they're taking issue with? Are these specific? Well, they call claims? it an attack on his person and stuff. I'm also on his wife because his wife teaches, um, gender sexuality and, uh, Latinx studies. Latin, huh? Latin. I don't know how to say it. I'm um, just messing with um words does it have an x in it i'm afraid it does in 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 ecuador they put an x on that shit <sighs> well she's she's franco-brazilian and she teaches these studies things and works for american ngos also worked for the bush the bushes in florida it's they're pretty remarkable people these people i mean I, i'm s- looking at a picture of this guy behind like in front of an american flag celebrating american independence day i yeah, find that for very the american strange. embassy he worked for the American Embassy. Well, you know, Ecuador is on the dollar, right? So it is a de facto colony. Um, I, I just find it really funny that someone who says that they're on some sort of left in Latin America would like post. You well, know, he's fighting for ad- indigenous rights, Marco. Uh, all right. So is he more indigenous than the other guy? I think that I think that's the idea. Like you can't you can't not like him without being a racist. I think that's the political uh, tactic there. Oh, is that is that in the letter as well? Well, no, in the letter they're just saying like these people are criticizing the anti-extractivist left. They're criticizing they're criticizing the anti-statist left. They're criticizing the anti-authoritarian left. So And it's like, do you believe that? My God. Apparently the people who signed this believe that. It's just like the anarchist, anarcho woke scold fools who just go into some perfectly good protests and turn it into a just a ridiculous circus. So, so just just out of curiosity, when they use that word extractivist, right? Um, are they accusing the other guy of being some kind of like Stalinist throwback or something? Is that like the- well, you're not supposed to do anything with oil, but that's one of the natural resources at the disposal of this country, right? So, so basically, they want the economy in ecuador to stop extracting oil or they want to extract the oil on their terms well this whole thing is probably just a smokescreen yeah because we because it's clear that this guy uh, yaku um alias his name was carlos and he changed it to yaku i suppose to be yaku to be more um um exotic i don't know maybe um, i mean that that's very unwoke of you because he's just getting in <laughs> touch with his roots all right oh right because i read i read in his wikipedia entry that he asked this pachamama if he could change his name so and that's his um i think that's like the goddess of something and i sound like mm-hmm. an asshole for saying it that way but it's just that i really don't know <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, not, but the like, bottom line is I'm not all minimizing the his religious support. beliefs. I really don't know. Okay, so it's the Inca mythology. The goddess mm-hmm. revered by indigenous people of the Andes is the Earth slash Time Mother. All right, there you go. But the irony of all this is the international support is premised on something like exoticism because you're like, ooh, the the native candidate. This is like fair well, trade coffee well, for an American lefty Warrenite type. I mean, of course. Like, oh, he must be good. He's like uh, by a lot. He's like. Um, it's it's like the ma- it's like that trope of the magic negro, right? Like 
It's like that's exactly what it is. Is that fucking I don't trope? Know the one where like to. no, like literally that's a trope in the movies. Right. It's like he is the wise, you know, old black man. He must know mystical things that the white people don't know. It's the same uh, nonsense. Yes, I got you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like um, they did it in you know, one of the movies where they do it, and ironically, it's sort of okay that they did it. Is that Legend of Bagger Vance, where like Will Smith plays like the caddy who like mystically right, right. know stuff but there, there's actually a reason for that in that movie which is kind of funny because that movie is based on the bhagavad gita and the will smith character is based on krishna and krishna means like the black one <laughs> so so there's like a weird roundabout way where that makes sense there but it happens in all sorts of movies i mean that's morgan freeman's entire career you know uh, the um john coffee in the green mile that's another famous example yeah, oh yeah I mean, it's Definitely. funny, yeah. The, the Ameri- American liberals are just suckers for the most vulgar cliches in this respect, I guess. Well, because well, this this is sort of an overarching. I don't know. I, I this, this is what I would like to probe into is, is just because you use the word suckers there, and then it makes me want to think about what we were talking about earlier with this letter. Are these are these wreckers within a movement um, that they would benefit from if they weren't being so divisive or is this an expression of uh petty bourgeois class interests it's not entirely clear to me my hunch is this basically you've got you've got like in the states you've got socialists and you've got liberals and you've got this sort of progressive ideology and then you know, it's it's probably not even clear to the people participating precisely what's what. I would suspect so this guy is against he's come out like his his wife was saying on twitter you know wet dream about the coup against morales and and uh and dilma and um you know anti anti peronist stuff in argentina and i mean my god she said that that's a quote venezuela the whole thing like look i'm not a fan of um I'm not necessarily a fan of what's going on in, in Venezuela, but but they're saying things like Korea, the forerunner of um, Araos, um, is basically Maduro, and he should be removed by force. So, like these are the kind of quote unquote leftists there 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 are there. So maybe he does care about indigenous rights. Maybe, maybe he does care about ecology. Maybe, maybe he doesn't like the state, especially if he's a neoliberal. That's probably true. He wants to get rid of the, everything. The, the thing is that that. But he's a tool, and the people who signed this letter probably don't know any better. They just think they're doing what's right. I, I think there's two things there, though, right? One is that all these identity politics things are, are an easy way to feel like you care and you're doing something without actually doing anything. Because, like, yeah. how much effort does it take to, to be on the right side of Pepe Le Pew being rape culture? It doesn't take that much effort. You don't lose anything. Oh, I can't watch Pepe Le Pew anymore. Okay, perfect. Like, I don't care. Wait, Jay, did you, I don't know if you saw the look on Chet's face. What, do you know about that? What, about Pepe Le Pew? Yeah. Yeah, no, that wasn't okay, my expression. Okay, okay, sorry, sorry. Go no, I was, I was puzzling through this because... Wait, um, wait, Marco, Marco, sorry. Marco, oh, finish, finish. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, sorry, Marco. So, so, so one is, you know, how can you feel good about yourself? You know, like, like when you buy the cup of Starbucks, like Jack says, and you feel great about yourself because that cup of Starbucks goes to the rainforest alliance or whatever so you by consuming or by being outraged which is just another form of consumption 
you basically feel good about yourself because you did something good. But you don't have to actually change material conditions and you don't have to be inconvenienced. Then the other thing going on is, is that this kind of worldview, and this goes to how they feel so comfortable with, with basically removing people by force and all of that without even thinking about it. This kind of worldview is, is, is very much part of that liberal, conservative, fascist spectrum where you don't look at systems thought, you don't think about material conditions, all you care about are these sort of weird niche issues, which, by the way, what is his issue? Blood and soil. Literally. Mm-hmm. Blood and mm-hmm. soil. That's his issue. Blood and soil. It's literally a fascist issue repackaged with like, well, indigenous stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But but that's the issue is blood and soil. I mean... Well, the fascists were the first eco-candidates. Yeah. I mean, they were eco and they were for the race. And they're, I mean... The indigenous... Indigenous, hey, 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 the, the whole Say what package. you will about national so, socialism, so the but problem they care about is, is indigenous that, rights. Yes, these people have been oppressed. And yes, they need to be... They, they need to like stop being oppressed. But if you package it that way, eventually you're going to run into the excesses of the other thing. But mm-hmm. because it's the same logic, it's the same freaking logic in the end. It's like taking it to a logical conclusion. What is it? Kick everyone who's not indigenous out, take our land back. I mean, w- w- <laughs> I, I, but we I'm crazy, so can. whatever. But <laughs> okay, chat one, two, three, go. Oh, um, well, not not a fully formed thought, but just to jump off of uh, Marco, what you were what you were saying. Um, I don't know. Some something that stuck out to me that I might want to push back on would be this uh, the the sort of passive framing of all of this. Um, like uh, the the these this type of politics is effective because it's easy or what have you. Um, I think it's um it's not quite so passive, and I think this is being deployed uh because it's extremely profitable for the people who deploy it and it, it's a very effective class war mechanism like that um adolf reed cliche by now well, uh identity politics well, is a class politics sure i think that's that's more what 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 i'm seeing i think yeah for for a lot of people it is nice that you can sort of have your cake and eat it too you can um talk about radical justice initiatives meanwhile um profiting from very exploitable uh situations it's a win-win situation it's a win-win situation but i would i would just i i I don't know how i don't know how passive it is i think it it takes a lot of effort to sort of get this thing going especially when i think there's this humanistic impulse in all of us to just focus on what we have in common uh and build together we're stronger what is it we're better together we're better together yeah these these sort of universalist sort of claims um those are those are pretty hard to tear asunder. I think, yeah, I don't know. I would say there's a lot of effort going into all of that. So you mean a lot of orchestration? A lot of orchestration, a lot of uh, profit to be made. It's a class war. Well, yeah, but, I but, think that's pretty clear. I go that, for it. That's Margo. that's why that's why you know, joking but serious. I say it's a psyop, right? Because there's people being controlled, and there's people doing the controlling, and then you know, the people who are being controlled, they're pacified. You know, the people controlling are very active, but the people who, mm-hmm. who are controlled, they're, they're, they're basically just like little marionettes. I mean, they get outraged on cue. It's like, now mm-hmm. get outraged. Okay, I'm outraged. Ah, I feel good. Done. You know, and that's that. 
So that that so, so I think we're in agreement, right? Yeah. Let me drill it down further because this was a question Daniel said he was a little bit unsure about. Judith Butler at all signing this open letter to Jacobin and Monthly Review. Is she a marionette or is she a Geppetto? <laughs> you know what I mean? Put it. She's a um, she's a PMC, right? Well, what was the cricket? Yes. There so was yes, the PMC. Course, cricket. She's PMC. There was the, yeah. Wait, Gip- Gip- and so this always it always seems what all our conversations come back to because Marco's right. She's PMC. So what is wither the PMC? Where we're always back, we circle back to. What, well, what that's is the it? thing. I mean, so I didn't straight out of the gate say it, but this guy seems like the PMC candidate in Ecuador. Like, mm-hmm. he's an identity minority representative. Like, obviously, it can't be majoritarian uh, universalist politics. It obviously can't be politics for the whole working class. It's eco-socialist. It's against using the major natural resource that could be nationalized. Mm-hmm. Anti-extractivism is against the state. Mind you, the state in Ecuador is probably all you have to hold out against American imperialism. He's anti-statist. How convenient. What a coincidence. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's pretty obvious. And, and when you look in these articles that were the article that was retracted by Monthly Review, I mean, supposing that they did their homework before they published it and, and it's and it's telling the truth, in which case they should have never taken it down under pressure from American academics. Um if it's true, then yeah, there are all kinds of links to American NGOs, which are funded by the CIA, just like all the other shit that America's done in Latin America. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, PSYOP isn't going too far. I mean, it's just might be the wrong word, technically speaking. But I mean, he's he said he would back the conservative candidate and the conservative candidate would back him if necessary in order to get Arauz out of out of the running. That has been you just check the tweets. I mean, if you can't read Spanish, that, get that, the archived uh, monthly review article. That's like a flashback to the Democratic uh, primaries where Warren backed basically Biden in order to get Bernie out of, out of the primary. Right. I it's mean, that kind of shit. And so yeah, that's I mean, an analogous case with the PMC, I presume. So so I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I say this sort of joking, but not too much. If the guy now, you know, months from now comes out and says that he's discovered he's like a third gender that his tribe has, you know, <laughs> and just sort of like double. Well, we might win if that. You know, I mean, because because this is basically like a marketing candidate, right? It's like, well, we'll let by committee, let's make the perfect candidate to sell to like the woke culture Americans so that we can then justify sending the CIA to kill the socialist candidate, right? I mean, you literally had Democrats saying that we needed to go to Venezuela and kill Maduro, right? Like they were like, cool with that. They were like, yeah, let's have a coup, you know, like let's have a CIA coup immediately. They did, the, and they were mm-hmm. fine with doing it to Evo Morales too, who, by the way, wasn't he like the indigenous, whatever? No, no, no. But they were fine doing it to put like a right wing Christian. I mean, this is one of the few times where the liberals were fine with whatever Trump was doing in Latin America, right? They were like, oh, go ahead. Yeah. You know, it's like foreign policy of like doing a coup d'etat, we're, we're down. Anyway. That's totally kosher. Well, here's, the, here's what's really rich about this. When it comes to Evo Morales, they said that. Check the check the archived um, monthly review article because the tweets you couldn't make this shit up. It's incredible. He said, biologically speaking, I'm so proud of myself for remembering this. Um, biologically speaking, Evo Morales is indigenous. That's insane. Parenthetical remark. So, biologically speaking, Evo Morales is indigenous, but with respect to his identity, 
He's totally westernized and whitewashed, and he's a macho. So it's who, macho left. Whose whose tweet was this? This is the guy, uh, Yaku Perez, the um, oh, okay. the this, um, fair trade gotcha. coffee candidate. Gotcha. You know, so you can be comfortable with him. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, ultimately, you see like intersectional leftism, whatever you want to call it. I don't know, like yeah. woke leftism. Like I would say, it's probably just like radical liberalism with some sort of social awareness. Um, they 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 love that stuff. And um, well, and it's like we're we're coming full circle now because Marco brought up at the beginning Judith Butler's uh, conspicuous feminism inconsistencies. Uh, when it came to the Me Too movement, she has a colleague of hers, you know, get accused of of sexual harassment, and she knows where solidarity needs to be in that moment. She it's it, it's all about class and uh, solidarity profit. within the PMC. Yeah, absolutely. It's not about it's not identity politics is a class politics. Managers of the world unite. Yeah, they'll make exceptions when they have to. Um, yeah, that's just another example. So what I'm concerned here with the, with the whole Evo Morales thing is like, you know, the idea that that you can go around, you know, basically doing like some sort of indigenous Olympics thing where you're like, I'm more indigenous mm -hmm. than you. You are not indigenous enough. It reminds I mean, it's like, so if this guy's playing those games, how seriously can you actually take the guy, you know? Like it, well, the thing is, like, the, there, there's good. Apparently, there's a good. Uh, let's go down the rabbit hole. There's a good. Apparently, there's a good indigenous native and a bad one, and the good one is sort of sensitive and eco-friendly and cosmopolitan. Maybe he has a Franco-Brazilian wife who is a professor of humanities at some posh university. That's a good native, but a bad native is crude, is unrefined, is macho. Is uh, you know, he wins elections. That's a bad native, and so you can see it just like um, the and obedience politics. Let, and he doesn't let Elon Musk have access to uh, Bolivia's lithium deposits. Well, that's the thing. Ultimately, this guy Perez is fine with uh, um, Elon Musk cooing um, against you know the democratically elected government. I mean, you don't have to be a socialist. You could just be a classical Republican and say. You know, I believe in institutions, I believe in representative government, and if that's who they pick, that's what it is, better luck next time. Maybe we'll get a conservative government. But, I mean, it's just fucking crazy. And so it seems like the way that it's getting diced up ideologically, it reminds me of, like, you know, a friend of mine was telling me she was in these Zoom meetings for, um, for uh, um, <clears throat> theater um work in the theater community sort of curation and uh, you know all these people getting together directors and so forth that then, sounds like a really fun zoom meeting and they're getting they're getting herded into identity uh groups so that each group racially can be managed by a manager of the corresponding race huh. and similarly i mean jim crow theater well yeah the theater of of it all um similarly like you have racial caucuses um mm -hmm. in 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 uh it's coming up in unions and stuff it's just it's like what will the managers come up with next in order to immunize themselves from criticism like if you have a white man like according to their own lights ideologically a white manager cannot tell a black worker what to do 
But if you put all the black workers together and all the white workers together and you get a black manager to tell the black people what to do and the white manager tells the white people what to do, then management's beyond criticism because, you know, at the end of the day, the black manager and the white manager, they both belong to management. Right. But everything is by the book. You but know. you better make sure that it's a black woman who is gay and trans. Otherwise, someone somewhere is going to be able to complain about something, right? So it, it it's like 1990s, like Derrida, like deconstruction gone just crazy, where all the hierarchies have to be thrown up in the air. And instead, Except for the one that counts, because there's still a command structure. Well, because, I mean, and, and, and this is where... The conspiracy theory is not a conspiracy theory because you can literally Google it. The U.S. government funded French postmodernist, you know, sort of departments and academics in order to literally push out Marxists out of academia. Like that's documented. It's not like just go look it up, just like they did with uh, abstract expressionism during the Cold War, because the Russians were producing all this art. And the U.S. was like, we need art, but it can't be political. So they funded abstract expressionist painters to push all the sort of hyper-realist worker art that was coming out of the Soviet Union. They did the same thing with the universities and with departments and funded all of that stuff out and pushed the culture first. Material stuff doesn't matter. I mean, I, I was a, I'm that old. I was a student in a philosophy department in the 90s, and we were mostly... Anglo-analytic, but this guy came in from a university that was like continental, and he taught a class on mm -hmm. Derrida. And I remember these conversations where the guy was practically saying, like, you know, it's like, but if a comet is coming and it's gonna fucking blast the planet, doesn't that material reality matter? No, it's just a social construct. I'm like, no, it's not You're a kidding. social construct. It's a fucking comet. You know, like there are things that are material that are real. No, no, Marco. there are not. You know, didn't you read insane. there's nothing outside of the text? I don't remember. I don't remember. I read so much of that garbage and I was just like, this is insane. Okay, Chet, why don't you tell us about um, what you've been up to? Oh, yeah. And uh, this will be in the show notes as well. But one of the deals I made with Daniel, if I was going to go on this podcast, was that I would get to plug my YouTube channel. Um, if you want to listen to audiobooks about uh, contemporary China in English, and um, uh, some other audiobooks about related Marxist and Eastern Marxism topics, uh, go to youtube.com slash C-O-Z-M-U-N and uh, click that subscribe button, fam. I think that's what the kids say these days. Smash the like uh, button. Yeah, smash that like button and uh, listen to some good audiobook content. That's only if you like the sound of my voice. Okay, so let's back up, guys. Let's back up. So apart from this uh, Pacha, Kutik, Perez, Yaku, Carlos stuff, I mean, it just this is just like the latest episode in a chain of similar things. Let's sort of generalize a little bit. Like you were talking about PMC solidarity and the function that it serves, and I know you're not a can, can you, you don't you hate this. Can you unpack PMC because that's like your favorite subject in the world? Yeah, I'll let Chet do that. But 
But um, there's this distinction right. Chet hates. Chet hates, and so does so does um, the fella sitting right next to me. Um, so some people like to say, well, you know, Perez, let's say Perez, Perez in this case. Well, okay, he's not the real left. The real left is Araos, and before him uh, it was Correa. The real, you know, the real left cares about class. The fake left just pays lip service to like eco socialism, yada yada, and then <laughs> I would say that's the PMC version. Like they're trying to close their managerial stuff in the trappings of socialism in order to sort of neutralize it. But but Chet doesn't like that distinction. What what do you think, Chet? Oh, about the distinction, the well, real I, left versus the I say the you know you have. Left. You have people of different, you know, uh, with different economic motivations, different cultural proclivities. I'll, I'll, I guess I'll just speak to the U.S. specifically. And if if they're if they're active in politics to some degree or another, you have to put yourself in one of these two camps: the the left or the right. And what? Uh, what? What? Is this a microphone issue? Or? No, no, no. Well, you have to be either left or right. Basically, I mean, if you it, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a helpful signifier for a lot of people. You know, people say left, and they know that that means all right. You know, lukewarm about Clinton, Sanders, rah rah. This AOC person, she seemed to have some things figured out. You know, I like waving a sign in the streets. You say right. You know, oh, uh, concerned about immigration levels, patriot. Uh, I listen to Steve Bannon's podcast, and there's all these different cultural associations. And um, all of it, I think, in the end, serves to mystify uh, class stakes, economic stakes, mm -hmm. material stakes. And I don't I'm not interested in asking who's left or right. I'm asking who is exploited and who is an exploiter. That's that's all I care about. Um, I don't think these signifiers are worth much anymore. And I, I don't so want to be associated with either. Uh -huh, uh -huh. As you know, I'm a huge Tucker Carlson fan, and <laughs> and uh, I'm a huge uh, AOC fan, Bernie Sanders fan. <laughs> Don't push it. <laughs> um. Yeah. Before we were before we got started, we were on the phone, and what was it? We were saying something like, "Oh shit! What was it like?" something about the left and right and liberalism. And I think I said something like, well, you know, all, all leftists are basically liberals. Um, and you said, so liberalism is just the left. And I, and I wanted to say, no, there are right wing liberals too. I think, uh, I think the left and the right in America are basically just two, the two branches of classical liberalism. You have it's, it's individualism rights and duties some people want more or less state. Some people want more or less of this right, more or less of that right. But um, what well, every, every leftist is just a liberal, I think. And then, and then you, ha if you want to get off of that, um, in so far as you can't grid, go you back gotta, to a monarchy, you got to be socialist. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, we don't have those conservatives because we don't have monarchy. Yeah. So well, you can't. I mean so you can't be a conservative in the U.S. There's nothing to conserve. There's no. There's no old regime to right. bring back, right? There's literally right, just right. liberals because they're all free market. They're all capitalists. They're all the same crap. It's just that they disagree. Some like rainbow flags and the other ones like 
Jesus crosses, you know, but but it's just cultural nonsense. The actual underlying structure of the government and of like society, they agree mm -hmm. on 99.99%. Mm -hmm. They want a strong military, they want to invade other countries, they want to extract their yeah. resources, like they're on the, you know, like liberals in this country are all okay with the Monroe doctrine. This is a constant well, fight that, that I have with them. This is the thing that came up in that uh, Tucker bit you sent me, where he's talking about like woke ideology in the military, and that wouldn't surprise me at all because, like, uh, you know, it just, it, that stuff has a lot of clout with um, the institution. Um, but this is okay. Or the so establishment. Sorry. Let me just because some, something something Daniel you said earlier about leftists are just liberals. Well, let, you know, let me embody a character, you know, for a second. You know, I'm I'm a leftist, you know, and and I, I take great offense at that. I my entire would. my entire political <laughs> project is in opposition to liberalism. What the heck and darn do you mean? I'm a liberal. Can you explain this insult to um, to my person? Do I have to explain it to your person, or could I just... To me? <laughs> okay. Um, I'm just trying to be a, a pretentious leftist. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, like, if you want to get into the nitty-gritty of it, the reason I say it's leftism is because it seems to me that a lot of the people who call themselves leftists are committed to the, like, basic picture of liberalism, like, individualism. And basically, there are individuals, and they associate or dissociate society is an aggregation of individuals but i mean i think if if you're socialist and yeah i know you say what but um i fight for medicare for all every day do you know how many doors i knocked on during bernie sanders campaign so what individualist yeah look at you you're such a good person you're such a good virtuous individual you knocked on all those doors of all those individuals okay so 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 what 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 what, what, what was my alternative well, your alternative is, I mean, as an individual, you could uh, you could consider the the world um, to be like a, an economic system that reproduces itself every day through the interaction of its parts. And in in that picture, you don't have little virtuous or you know evil agents that accrue karma points, like you get stamps on your car to. Uh, fucking starbucks or whatever and get a free coffee if you do enough good stuff when you go to heaven um you know i just think that the leftist thinks about politics that way like virtue and there's free will we do good things we do bad things if you do bad things you have to be punished if you do good things you should be rewarded incentives yada yada but i i think a proper materialist and a socialist would say no we have a system and everything's causally determined and uh, that's what we have to work with and so that's just a different picture. So when I see people who call themselves leftists talk, they, they don't seem to embody that picture. They say that they're socialists because nowadays you have to, everything has to be superlative, right? You have to be the most radical thing. And that's the most radical thing an American can imagine to be a socialist. Mm -hmm. Cause you have to distinguish yourself from I mean, progressive. Isn't good enough anymore. Liberal isn't good enough anymore. That's why Trump is a literal Nazi, right? <laughs> <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> right 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 because it has to be the worst thing you can imagine so he's that's not, why you know he, he's not just a populist he's not like terrible no he's a literal nazi and so and that's why the, the leftists are literal communists or whatever that girl was saying. oh right right i'm literally a communist literal dude. communist yeah. Yeah. i don't know did that help chad probably not
No, no. It's this is I I just I just find all of this very interesting. I mean, to me it just seems obvious that socialism and liberalism are not the same. I mean because they have different premises and they have different goals. A socialist wants a classless society. There's if you're gonna make it ideological. And if you're not if you're not gonna make it ideological, socialism is a mode of production. You know, it's it's not a belief system, it's it's a mode of production. I think I think that's key. Like I wouldn't even I wouldn't even go around uh, calling myself a Marxist, a a socialist. All this stuff is a little bit, you know, individualist maybe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just a little silly. And nobody cares. Yeah, nobody cares. And nobody cares. Most of all, no one cares. Right. Well, no, someone might care. It might be your manager. Yeah. Or a manager, another manager. I mean, the thing is, you can say you're a liberal and not get fired from your job. You can't say you're a Marxist and not get fired from your job, right? Where? Practically anywhere in this country, right? Like if I went to the, I if I went to my boss's office and I said I'm a communist, I'm a Marxist, you would fucking fire me. Yeah, He's okay with me being a now, liberal. You can get away with socialist now because of AOC and. Um, that sort of stuff since 2016, I think you can. But if you said I'm a communist, that might you might get one of those weird side looks. You know, I think. Yeah, it might just be uh, weird. Like I think we're just at a point with you know some of the stuff we taught started out talking about in the beginning. Uh, all these these NGOs, these um, quote unquote grassroots sort of movements and things. Um, every everybody's a Marxist now. Everybody's a socialist. I don't know about Marxism. A lot of them repudiate Marxism, like oh, this guy Teen, Perez. Teen Vogue, Teen Vogue is writing all sorts of think pieces. Here's why, you know, Daddy Marx on his 200th anniversary or anniversary of his birth, we need to pay respects. You well, know? I think that's great. You think that's great? Okay, here we go. <laughs> I think that's great. Why go not? On. The, the kids got a. The kids got a. You know, I was talking to somebody who was it the other day. I think it, yeah, I think we were having a discussion just down the street uh-huh. and, and, um, Dan, sorry, say it again. Who's, who comes? Dan, Dan was saying, um, you know, this is going to sound funny. We're getting a little older kids nowadays. Mm-hmm. They don't listen to the radio. They don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. So, the, so, so they just have Spotify and it plays these sort of prepaid pre, um, assembled lists mm-hmm. and they're never going to come across old stuff. Right. And suddenly, like Zoomers are getting into Fleetwood Mac, like it's some wild, exotic new thing mm-hmm. because somebody finds it, blah, blah. And I think like, okay, if that's how you discover Fleetwood Mac, whatever. I mean, if you think that's cool and new, I mean, that's the weird part. But how how is a person going to discover Marx? It's got to happen one way or another. Why should I poo-poo it if they're going to find it through Teen Vogue? You know who agrees with you that they're going to find out about it one way or the other? <sighs> who? Condé Nast who owns Teen Vogue, The New Yorker, etc. And you know what? They they say they're going to find out about it one way or another. Let's get the Teen Vogue uh, capitalist media version. So you see, that's the issue, or that's one of the issues with uh, with this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah I, see, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And that seems to be like, I was wondering, like, what general lesson can be drawn from this... Um... Yaku Perez stuff. I was going to say, how far off topic are we? Yeah, well, no, not that far, because I think the idea is basically like, I think, I think this sort of, what do you call it? Like, I guess the PMC establishment politics um, types have realized that they can't leave it to. They the can't, leftists they can't have, have realized. This is the left. 
this is the left. Yeah, this is the left, but I, I don't I don't think it's good enough to just say the left is because that's just too vague. I mean, like specifically it's like people in authority positions have realized that you can't leave socialism and Marxism to you can't afford to not say anything about it. You gotta appropriate right. it and weigh in and put your spin on it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the the job, the function of the left in the political economy of the US. Well, that's the question. Is it only the U.S. or is this the same shit in Ecuador? I mean, granted, I'm, I'm saying that to hedge my bets because I don't know much about what's going on in the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're probably right. This is probably, you know, the um, this uh, opposition candidate. What's going on down there? As you can well. Just to steal the steam from the the socialist who might have a chance at actually um, doing something there. Like, I mean, I think this guy's the same as the, who's the guy in Venezuela that was supported by the States? Juan Guaido. Right. He's supposed to get in there and then give us the oil. I, they've, the Ecuador's already on the dollar, so I assume it's the same thing. We're supposed to support Perez and then, you know. There were, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, there were some think pieces uh, going around back when Juan Guaido was trending more about, you know, his, his value as a leader because he's more dark-skinned mm-hmm. uh, than... Uh, Maduro. We're just out here, you know, <laughs> measuring skulls, measuring pigment, you know, nothing, nothing different from an old racialist, you know, regime. Yeah, uh, racism is making a comeback. Well, I mean, I, I was watching, you know, this is kind of off topic, but related. I was watching Coming to America or whatever, the new one, <laughs> which is absolutely yeah. terrible. Um, but I watched that one and I watched the old one again. And it's amazing how that's what the imagination of what Africa is, is to like the people who made these movies and that's what they aspire to. Right. And it's basically black people in Africa with black slaves. Cause that's basically what the King of Samunda is. Right. They have this staff that literally wipes their ass when they go to the bathroom. I haven't seen it. They have these like women who they rape, you know, who like clean them, you know, bathe them, the, the Royal bathers, who they quote unquote have sex with afterwards, like you know James Earl Jones saying to 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 uh, painful, uh, like painful. Do you? I I assume that you have sex with your bathers, and I'm just like, whoa, like this is crazy. This is like, you know, and, and, but there's no 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 notion of how crazy and fucked up all of it is because because what people aspire in this in the United States is not to break the hierarchy, but rather no to, no. To be at the top of the hierarchy and have your own yeah. slaves. <laughs> to become a manager, to become a plantation owner. That's and, what every middle and, class and person so, wants. So I think that actually is different in other countries. So it does affect how people relate to things like Marxism, right? Because I don't hmm. think the 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 American exceptionalism story functions the same in other places, right? So I, I have seen much more willingness to to be full-on marxist in other places versus like here like where what do you mean what do you mean just in latin america people who i know were from latin america and like they're 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 clearer about i mean there is a che guevara who is the u.s equivalent you know there was a fidel castro given all his problems and all the things that are wrong with him but there was one right like well who do we have we have that uh there's the no, Harrington guy. Right? There, there's no equivalence to it, to any of that in, in in you know in the U.S. The, the closest you get is someone maybe like Salvador Allende, who was so far left for the U.S. that they had to send the CIA to kill him, right? Like this is you know a guy who's 
marginally to the left of, of Bernie Sanders, right? And the U.S. still couldn't handle it, and they had to send someone in to kill the guy. So, but he still managed to win an election. There's never been anyone that left who's won an election in the U.S. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, I so, see. So, so, sorry. I, so, are now are we are we into the the territory of like Marxism and the national question, like yeah. the, the question of like why. Or what is it, the Werner Sombart? Why hasn't socialism happened in America, but it, it's happened in other countries? Well, that seems to be, yeah, that, I mean, the issue of... with the, you know, the, how do they call it, left obstructionism in socialist politics? That might be a way to segue into that. I mean, because that might be an answer. What do you think? Or no? Why Why not? Why don't we? Why haven't we had socialism in the States? Or even oh, just you want... <laughs> even just somebody like Allende, like you were saying, you know, Allende <laughs> couldn't get elected in the States. Uh-huh. And even... He was basically just Bernie Sanders, and he couldn't. We, the CIA couldn't tolerate him. In, yeah. in the the closest we got was the the radicalism after the uh, the in, in the wake of the Great Depression. But what happened after that? We we fought a very advantageous war. Um, it was a boon for our economy, and um, you know whether leftists in the U.S. can confront this or not, that war ended up benefiting the whole of the American people uh, greatly with the production of armaments um, and uh, being so isolated from all of the theaters. Um, our economy was not depleted the way the, in the ways that Britain's, uh, uh, Germany's, uh, you know, Japan, um, China, so on and so forth. So we just had a lot more uh, economic stability to work with after World War II and uh, Truman on down were able to buy off the proletariat. Um, and, you know, it's getting pretty rough now, but we're, we're still living in the wake of that economic uh, boon. Do you think the, the, do you think that the reason why things are getting sort of mixed up now, ideologically, there's a kind of, upset and there may be some new things happening because that that sort of geoeconomic political arrangement is changing like what how do you imagine because i'm wondering now you know between basically the dawn of america and um um war keynesianism that you're talking about capitalism used used race to its own advantage and then things seem to be changing. Um, and I agree with you. It was better for every American during war Keynesianism, American imperial privilege. Oh, yeah, we're getting into your Keynesianism stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, basically, the, the high standard of living that Americans enjoyed was due to the fact that we have yeah. global dollar hegemony and it's mm-hmm. a global empire. Mm-hmm. And um, some people didn't get as many privileges as others. But like you're saying, the working class was basically bought off mm-hmm. and the standard of living went up. And, um, you know, what is it, these Kondratiev waves where you have these basically 60-year economic cycles? Um, I mean, maybe that's actually winding down, and that's why we're starting to see some weird, weird ideological stuff. Like, now it seems that capitalism precisely isn't using racism. It's it's, it's starting to realize that it has to use anti-racism to its advantage instead of racism. Like, it will put anti-racism to its advantage. It will use that the way that it used racism in the past. I mean, yeah. that, that seems like an ideological change. And that might be because, like, the, the actual economic situation is radically changing. Like, yeah. I guess, I guess the only thing I would qualify there is that anti-racism. I'm going to get galaxy-brained. 
Yeah. Anti, anti-racism is racism. Oh, sure. Yeah. But uh, I don't understand what you mean, so could you explain? Oh, sure. Um, oh, no. Now I just, I galaxy brained myself, but I don't have anything to, to back it up with. Barbara, right, I'm, not, I'm not making like the so, reverse. Ri- oh, go ahead, Mark. All right. So, so capitalism starts. Reverse. Wait, did you say reverse racism? What I was going to say was I'm not making the stereotypical okay, like Fox okay. News okay, sort okay. of Rush Limbaugh. Okay. Uh, this so, is a re- reverse rest racism. Rest soul. So, so wait did, did the person who isn't here just laugh <laughs> so so racism as we understand it is a construct of american capitalism right this didn't really exist prior there was prejudice and there were other issues but this brand of racism is a construct of this society um you, when you sorry real quick when you say this brand of racism what do you mean well, the the chattel slavery racism that the United States started that is the sort of genesis of what we have now, right? And so so the original reason was that, you know, you come to a new land and you are, you know, in terms of development, 2,000 years behind Europe and you want to develop it, your capital as quickly as possible. So you need labor to build it, right? Because everything you see is congealed labor, right? Those books behind you are congealed labor. The microphone you're holding, it is congealed labor. It's all labor. It's all human labor, right? Transformed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so you have thousands of years of, of being behind the ball, right? And you're in a new land. So you need to bring in as much labor as possible. So they start bringing in poor people from Europe, but there's just not enough of them. They blend in. You only get to keep them for one generation, you know, etc so they go to africa and they grab black people and they bring him here to do that to basically build the capital base of the united states as quickly as possible right so the the slaves were not freed i mean anyone who thinks is who, who thinks the, the the standard story of the civil war in the u.s is an idiot the slaves were not freed because you know at some point, capitalists became enlightened. They were freed because the factories in the north needed labor and there was labor available in the plantations in the south, right? Everyone fucking knows that. Okay, so they went in, they freed the slaves to turn, the, to turn them into wage slaves. So they went to the factories to be wage slaves instead of chattel slaves, right? Okay, so we're in the in a, in a sort of next transition, right? We don't need them pe- people in factories, but we still need to use race as a way to control people and oppress people and divide labor. So you continue the racism and the anti-racism is just a function of that, right? As a way to 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 divide and and control the the sort of the workers. So I, the I think that's that's yeah. where you were going, you know. Yeah, I would um yeah, I would I would take I would take issue with a few little details, but thank you though. Because Daniel put me on the spot after I went galaxy brained. I think that basically sums up what I mean by this relationship between racism and anti-racism. Well, whatever yeah. you have an issue, voice it, because that's the point of these, you know. Oh, things. yeah, yeah. So let, but, but then that would just drive us more off. Do topic. it. Well, now I, now I forget what that is. Oh, fellas, fellas, I'm dude. creating a lot of dead air. What was it? It was something about, yeah, I guess so. So hold on. I would agree that this is what, because now that we're on this term racism, this is what, and just just a little bit of background about myself. I used to be actually very active in the Black Lives Matter movement, and this was always something that kept coming up because you know, as as if you know anything about Black Lives Matter, you know they really like to use that word, uh, racism. 
And uh, one of the things that I would raise and ask is, what is what is your definition for this word mm-hmm. racism? Mm-hmm. And they would, um, a, a lot of these activists, they would give a definition, Marco, similar to what you outlined about a history um, of, of exploitation. You know, if, if you want to center it on the United States, then you start with chattel slavery and all this. Um, but, and then, and then, so that's where I thought I was going to want to push back a little bit, but then Marco, you, you clarified with sort of a materialist undergirding to all of what you were saying. And that's when I started to fall more into agreement. There are, there are people like, for example, within the BLM movement who will make these arguments that, um, Africans were enslaved because of the color of their skin. And this is just how, how does nonsensical. That work? How does that work? Well, white people, in, in, in one iteration of the argument, uh, white people feel uh, threatened by the uh, genetic dominance of melanin. Uh, and uh, So they, like the so way a bull, when a bull sees red, toro, toro, they just get upset, right? Sort of, like it's a psychological reaction, like, like white supremacy... As a psychosis, it's overcompensation for this yeah. sort of natural superiority, and that's just one argument. Uh, obviously, Marco, your your explanation went in a very materialistic materialist direction. So, um, but but initially, just with my history with BLM, I was I was on guard. I think that's what I meant. You want to hear a really crazy part of this whole uh, uh, slavery story? Um, is Please. that it started when it started because of a war with the sort of Ottoman Empire that allowed Europe to have control of the northern African and the western African coasts. Because before that, the Ottomans kind of ruled the Mediterranean and, and, and western Africa. And they would actually grab Europeans and take them back to be slaves. So they were hmm. Europeans were actually afraid to be like moving around that space lest they get caught like say far out into the western African area and be taken back to Asia Minor as slaves themselves. Cervantes, the author, that happened to him. Mm-hmm. He was a slave for five six years. Um, Who didn't know that? Which is hilarious because I saw BLM people destroy one of his statues mm. because he was a white man. Oh. And I was like, but you he know, had, he was a slave, but he right? Had the lived experience. He had the lived <laughs> like this guy was literally oh. a slave, and um, so so so, and he he freed himself. You know, he would made it back to Spain, but you know, and but because of 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 um, Europe finally sort of stopping that, then they became the enslavers in the in the West African coast. So it, it, it's kind of a weird historical. Yeah, that is. Anyway, that's interesting. At any rate, I don't see how it's possible to divorce any of this history from the economic history and the need for surplus labor. Like you're saying, Marco, you go to a new land, you suddenly need all kinds of infrastructure and fixed capital um, that isn't there and isn't even to be had. And suddenly, you know, it's like the way Russia tried to catch up for 500 years of development in 1917, basically. You have to do massive massive works and um so you need a lot of exploitation but it's like i i can't understand an argument that says it's just about like 
just sadistic psychological stuff. It seems pretty clearly economic to me, but um, yeah. Well, I mean, that that's how you get people believing the rhetoric of like, you know, say like Nation of Islam, who are just like, white people are just evil, they're space aliens, and that's that. Because you can't, there's no, if you don't have a material explanation for it, how the hell else are you going to explain it other than they're like pure evil, right? I mean, well, it's just morality at that point. So, but but well, that that that's why when Malcolm X, you know, comes back, he's like, wait, uh, white people are messed up, but they're not space aliens and they're not evil. There's got to be some... There's got to be some economic thing operating here. And that's what got him killed. You know, just like Martin just, Luther King got killed because of economic stuff, not race stuff. The poor people's campaign. Yeah. yeah. When I just I just want to clarify on behalf of the Nation of Islam that they don't say that, they don't say that white people. <laughs> I mean, that's, they, that's the story they, we're told, right? Like outside they, of they, they, they don't say that white people are aliens. They say that um, Yakub. Uh, a, a scientist uh, 6,600 years ago took a, a group of people to an island and he selectively bred them for lighter skin until we get uh, the albino race known as the white race that we have today. I just wanted to make sure we were clear on the... <laughs> so on alien, the, not in the extraterrestrial sense. No, not not in an extraterrestrial sense at all, but rather uh, bred on the island of Patmos. Wait, wait, you said I the see. guy's name is Yaku? Are you serious? No, no, this is a joke I made. At the, we're, right, now, right. We're, now we're really, now we're really coming full circle because this is a joke I made at the beginning of the pod. Uh, I said Yakub Perez, but I was riffing on the Nation of Islam uh, supervillain. All right, you guys All right. know a lot more. I, I stand corrected. I did not know the theology well enough. No, but yeah, yeah, that's good. Hola. The, the overall point, I just want to be clear for the audience, the overall point Marco uh, made uh, stands completely. Um, I was just, just wanted to do a little pedantic fact-checking. Okay, uh, so shall we? Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I mean, I'm fine with pedantic fact-checking. That's great. Like, <laughs> I like learning new things. I, I, I don't have a problem with being wrong. I have a problem with, with staying wrong, right? Um but one thing, and I don't know if you guys have at least watched the Gerald Horn presentation on his book, The Counter-Revolution of 1776, because we can take this racism stuff even further back than the than the Civil War. We can take it to the Revolutionary War that was fought to keep the slaves because the British were looking to free the slaves to help them fight the Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so, yeah. Yeah. So, no, sorry. Go ahead. So, so, so all of this, you know, I mean, it's 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 so obviously materially driven, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, so to try to take that out, which is what you know, there's been a movement since at least the the late, uh, I would say late seventies, but it really got to its theoretical heyday in the nineties, and it's been kind of running on those fumes ever since, and especially it's it's been kind of thankfully under siege after the collapse of the subprime mortgage mess right um but basically it's trying to take the material part out of it and then you you have no explanation then you just start running into insaner mm-hmm. and insaner mm-hmm. and insaner explanations because a it's, paranoid conspiracy theory it sounds like it, to me it sounds like a paranoid conspiracy theory like there are these there are these devils and they they just want nothing more than to like punish a certain uh, a, a, a Punish a group of bodies with a certain natural phenotype, which is in nature perfectly meaningless, but in society has taken on certain significance. I mean, that just sounds like QAnon stuff to me. Like, well, I mean, like and there's how just do you, this group of 
how people do you who just how do you explain that it didn't happen at any point really well, it's like the blue meanies i don't know if you until... ever saw the yellow submarine that beatles movie you got the blue meanies right have you ever seen this movie well, why do you know what um, minions? The blue meanies—they just want to destroy all the music in, um, in the, um, you know, the Yellow Submarine. This was it, Pepperland or whatever, where the Beatles, oh, the hippies, oh, no, just—they just, just like to one. play music all day. And then you get these blue meanies, and the only word that they know how to say is no, and they just want to destroy everyone's fun. Yeah, that's white people, right? I think because they're basically cops. I mean, blue meanies are cops. Mm. So, so, and so I. But it, it, it fails to explain why, like, say, like, the Roman Empire didn't just do that, right? Why why didn't you just go, like, whoa, oh, my God, look at all these black people. Let's turn them all. That's not what they did, right? There was no need to do that, right? There was no material reason to do that. Their slaves were intersectional. They're, the, the, Roman, the Roman slaves were intersectional, right? They grabbed right. from all colors. Like, they grabbed German slaves. Slavery. They grabbed African slaves. They didn't care, you know? So, so, a lot of the European barbarians, yeah. I mean, because yeah. it's about economic domination, and I mean that seems pretty clear to me. I don't, I mean, but apparently it's controversial to say that slavery was just a modality of exploitation, of you know other modalities of which are um, feudal ground rent and uh, wage, uh, wage wage, slavery, wage yeah. exploitation. Oh, if you if you do that, and like, and you're like you're you're going to get reported to your HR department. Compare, um, uh, equate. Uh, wage slavery with uh, chattel slavery as, as forms of exploitation. Well, equate, obviously, not they're not equate, identical, not but, verb, um, but compare even, let's say. Yeah, compare. You're going to get reported to your HR department. Oh, that reminds me, this is one thing where we were we were disagreeing a little bit earlier about if you, if you say to your boss, I'm a Marxist or what have you, and how they're going to react. Maybe not if you just say that explicitly, but if you start talking mm -hmm. like we're talking here mm -hmm. among your coworkers, mm -hmm. then you absolutely. Yeah, if you, you don't it, even have to use the word marks. If you fit it into the identity framework, I'm an X, then it's kosher, but shut up and don't say any details. But if you actually go into it, then you have problems. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that's what that's what that's what's getting done. Like you said, leftism is is a type of individualism. Um, like saying I'm a Marxist, that's like a little brand I can put on myself. A yeah, I'm a Christian. Label. I'm a you know. I'm yes. A, I'm a. I'm a this, right. that, and the other thing. Well, um, I, I mean, when you detach it from the material, right? Then you have yeah. reference referring to themselves. You literally have a snake eating its own ass, right? That's why all these. Let's say tail. Fine, but you you can say tail if you want. But what? But. What happens is is that all these identity politics movements, because they've completely detached themselves from material conditions, all end up in this insanity of like, I mean, they eventually start sounding like conspiracy theories because there's mm -hmm, nothing right. grounding them. Right. There's no causal basis. Like, And that's what I'm wondering about. Is this intentional? Yes. Okay. And then in two possible senses, is it an intentional like conspiracy to undermine socialist politics or is it... Just intentional, but you know, trying to do do good things, but just sort of ending in anarchistic, you know, nonsense where people just just you know out do each other morally. I mean, because it seems to me like moral avant-gardeism, where everyone's trying to get ahead of the curve, and you know, no one's good enough. To, everyone, you know, you get ahead and you show, oh, well, you're still thinking about that. Well, that's so five years ago, and then I mean. 
I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't phrase it as a negation. Like the purpose is to destroy socialism. I don't know that they're all that scared about well, socialism these days. But it's very profitable. The intention is to make a profit, and that's how what do you doing. mean? Because you don't make profit by getting likes and retweets. Oh well, yeah. Though I mean that that's a whole other class of people. The people that are trying to get to that upper echelon mm. of those like diversity uh, jobs and all of that. Mm. This new sort of economy. I mean, it, but okay, so it's a means to getting a job. Jobs put on the program. CV. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah well, I mean, Ra- Rachel yeah. Maddow is doing really well selling her bullshit stories, right? Like, she uh, I bas- don't know. I don't follow her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Quick, 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 quick note that uh, Russia had nothing to do with the 2016 election. But doesn't is matter. I mean, she gets paid like she a million did, dollars a day to, to, to spew nonsense. And, and, and she's, I mean, she's there. Absolutely. To, to spread disinformation. I mean, this is not by chance. They exist literally to do that. They're there. I mean, conspiracy theory. The media is controlled by rich people who want rich people to stay in power. So they use, mm. the, you know, they use the means to, to maintain that structure. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me, though, of when there was a, a sort of independence movement in Puerto Rico that had a slight, like, okay violence is okay to re- to achieve this whenever people went to a meeting like three out of every five people in that meeting were u.s were you know basically one was fbi one was cia another one was local cop and then there were two guys who were actually for you know violent overthrow of the u.s government in puerto rico right and then those three guys were there to convince those other two guys to go bomb something so then they could go there and kill them you know <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this literally happened, you know, it's not like a, this literally like happened in Puerto Rico. I mean, but, but it reminds me a little bit of that, you know, it's like all of these sort of woke things. It's like, there's all these people who are kind of going along with it because they want certain things and, and they're misguided, but they're well-intentioned. And then there's people who are literally pumping them full of bullshit because right. they right. want them to remain misguided, even if they are well-intentioned, because well-intentioned people who are not misguided can actually accomplish it. Because that's what I'm wondering about. Like, what? So let's say the Ecuadorian elections are similar to what's going on in America. Let's assume it's the same. Even what is happening? Is it just a byproduct, an unintentional byproduct of the PMC? Sorry, I never defined that. The downwardly mobile professional managerial class that is confused and disoriented because it was promised a job after it studied English and didn't get it, and um, and now it wants to vent its anger and all sorts of weird virtuous ways um and there's just collateral damage or is it like or 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 is it a concerted because it seems like the function of this stuff is like adopt the imagery of leftism infiltrate labor whatever labor politics there is and Uh just run it into the ground well like what do you do what do you do if you finish finish school and you don't have a job lined up and you're going to have to hit the pavement looking for work. You you dress up in nice clothes, you get your CV nice and polished, get a good font, just the right size, all the centers and the headings and all that. Um the uh No, you go to grad school. What? <laughs> you go to grad school. Or you or or you go to grad school. But now you're now you're uh you now you're taking me off of my metaphor. Go ahead, go ahead. Um you uh the um all this woke politics and all this you asked about the tweeting and all of this 
this is this is the suit that you wear to a job interview. Oh. This is this is all the things that you have to show employers, potential employers, mm-hmm. that you're able to do and you're able to do it well. Mm-hmm. And then potentially you can get plugged into this new what you call the neoliberal jobs program. Now, if you're Judith Butler or whoever else who's already on these tenure track professor emeritus, whatever, then you are simply uh, this is class war for you. You don't want. If you you get these AMLOs in here, you get these. Who's this this guy in Ecuador who's gonna oh. probably crush? Um, say it again. Aros. Aros. Um, you you get these guys in here, and you start to get these kind of uprisings okay, all over uh, the world. I would add Xi Jinping uh, to this group. Xi Jinping. Mm, then you um, then your 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 money could get uh, messed with. So this is this is your class. But don't politics. you know that Xi Jinping is responsible for many human rights violations? Right. I mean, it's this. This. I mean, what are they saying about all of these guys? Are we? Are we? But are we ready to Let's go, go here? There. Let's go there. Oh, you're you're ready to go here. Let's do it. Okay. Well, if we can I'm, have a if we can have a coup of countries that are doing human rights violations, then we could have a coup here too, right? Like we could justify wait. the coup of this country. Whoa. Yeah. Well, yeah, Whoa. we already did that, <laughs> right? Because like, that what they like, call dialectic. Well, I mean, well, if it's okay, if if we're gonna declare war on China because of the the Uyghur whatever camps that exist or don't exist, I don't know. Um, you know, I I'm not. Then can't we have one here for the camps on the on the border? Like, can't we just be like, oh my god, we need to have a you know, we need to have the CIA have a coup against the president so that we can free the camps on the border. Like, Un, I mean, unironically, that? you, uh, yeah, unironically, you just described the 2020 election. That was a color revolution. That's that's not to say that Donald Trump, I support him and I thought his policies were great, but that was an example of color revolution. Okay. But, yeah. but the Did camps were started by, but, but see, here's where I get confused because the camps were started by Obama. He opened them, uh-huh. he filled right. them up with people. Uh-huh. Trump inherited them, he uh-huh. kept them running. Yep. We we said and that so he, we got rid of him, and then the new guy keeps them running and is opening a couple more. New guy, right. same as the old. Because guy. like like any like any color revolution, Literally. it's not about the whatever the trending topic on the surface is. It's about other issues that these inter these intra elite conflicts uh, that that these that these uh, groups are clashing over. It was never about uh, children in cages. AOC was crying crocodile tears. Well, you know, one thing I heard, speaking of AOC, one thing I heard about this stuff as AOC and Trump, um, I heard some people saying things like, especially, you know, I'm concerned about this in terms of like the function of POC, uh, sorry, PMC leftism um, in relation to socialism. Um, I think AOC being traumatized, all of that, you hear about this, Mm -hmm. traumatized by the stuff in D.C., I can imagine now that the uh, American left is going to go wild with domestic uh, security state, national security state stuff, and become incredibly, um, how do I put it, like, authoritarian. I mean, so my political coming of age was during, like, Patriot Act, Bush, Iraq War stuff, and, and my feeling was Patriot Act is is bad right Mm -hmm. um but it seems like now because um in this country we seem to understand racism as terrorism Mm -hmm. we then we just apply the same sort of stuff that we apply to the rest of the world when we behave imperially and so forth correct to our domestic um stuff and and one thing um, 
and it's the left i think that's that's the interesting new twist there it's going to yes. be the left that does that see one, one thing that i know as a colonial subject you know is that the management of the colony where i grew up was just as brutal under democrats as under republicans and it didn't really matter in fact obama was worse for puerto rico than trump but you know mm-hmm. i don't want to get into like the details of that because <laughs> that'll take like a whole episode but on top of that everything that they did in puerto rico they do it like 20 years ahead and then they come back to the empire and they, they, and they do it, it to their own citizens so whatever mm-hmm. we're doing in the Middle East, it's coming home. The empire is going to do it to its own citizens. It just takes 20 years for them to work out the kinks in the edges of the empire and then come back and do it. But they will I do it. That, I noticed that when I was studying abroad, it's like fashion, you know. Whatever happens in fashion happens, you know. And, you know, like Americans always do everything first. It's cool. And then then the Germans pick up on it like 15 years later or something like that. When you say fashion, do you mean literally like uh, garments and such? Or are you Some of it. More broadly? Some of it. But thought, also like films. I thought that and... trickle down worked the other way. Not to get too far off topic, but like I thought fashion was a trickle down from continental Europe to us. Maybe from the Francophone world, but not uh, center, central. Oh, okay. Um, but 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 the sort of torture. Germans wear socks with sandals. I, I, I mean, torture was not okay. If you watch like really old episodes of Star Trek, no, no no no, like the representation of the Federation is sort of like what people sometimes wish the U.S. was, right? And there's an episode where you know they're the torturers are basically Nazis. Fast forward twenty years, the U.S. is torturing people all over the world. In secret sites, they become the Nazi slash Cardassians or whatever, right? And and in enhanced interrogation. Yeah, and 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 now that kind of crap is coming here. I mean, the the police in Chicago tortures the shit out of people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that site. I can't there, there's there's called. there's black ops sites. I mean, the police departments now have contracts with Palantir, right? Palantir mm-hmm. just started with the CIA and the NSA. Palantir, but now. The Say it poli- with me, folks. Palantir. Remember that name. Palantir is an evil corporation. If you want to make money, buy some shares. Um, <laughs> just like Halliburton. Um, so, so, but, but now the LAPD has a contract with Palantir, right? Because whatever they're doing in another part of the world is going to come back here to control us, right? Because we are just as much a colony of the rich people as the parts outside of the empire are a colony of the United States. Chad, yeah. you're a patriotic American. How does that make you feel? Oh, no, I, well, <laughs> I, I know you're trying to put me on the spot, but no, I have, I have zero issue with this sort of analytical framework. Uh, and, and I, I, I think it's great and I think it's very helpful. Um, I, I mean, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe to some, you know, I don't know if I would, go door knocking talking to people using using that as a framework it, it might Would you come across it from the roof? might come across as hokey to some people but for you know for us here talking yeah like uh i don't see what's what's wrong with saying like yeah the, the workers of the US are colonized by the capitalists of the US i have zero issue with that framework you're not trying to troll a post colonial studies folks or something when you say, say it that. again you're not trying to like troll the post colonial folks when you say post colonial studies folks when you say 
American workers are colonized by capital or something. Yeah, it probably comes across that way that I'm just messing with them using their own rhetoric, like attempting to use their own rhetoric against them. But um, if, if we want to frame it that way, we would have to frame the uh, the struggle for national liberation just like that in a patriotic framework. And I'm perfectly fine with that because I am a patriotic American. I don't think America has lived up to its potential precisely because the proletariat is currently exploited in the manner that it is. And, but don't and, you think that's been baked into it from the very beginning? No, this is so Ibram Kendi and no, it's not. stamped from the beginning and 1619. No, I just mean from day one, that's always what it was. <laughs> From day one, that that's always what it was. And you said you weren't like making metaphysical claims when you brought this oh, up mm-hmm. before. What do you mean that's always what it was? Break it's, that down. I don't think it's a metaphysical claim. It's a claim about social practices. The social practices yeah, of yeah. this foundation of this country are let's maintain our slaves. It's just based on exploitation. From of day one, it just chews working people up and it spits them out. Of this country or of these capitalists? Well, the state What's is the difference? where the state. This is the house the capital built. I mean, the, but the state is where the ruling class basically. What is that that Gramsci quote? The state is the where the the unity of the ruling class happens, or something like that. Well, there you go. That I mean, if you're gonna say if you mean country, the inhabitants of the country. Well, yeah, sure, it's not that. But if what you mean is the state that controls the the political sort of boundaries of the United States, then yeah, that that's the country. Yeah, I mean, I mean so much more by by uh, when I when I say the word America, I mean so much more than the capitalists who have run it uh, for two hundred and fifty years. You're like you're like Daniel. You brought up uh, when we were arguing about this the other day. You brought up the example of China. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what did, what did you say about China by like uh, contemporary? Okay, China so what I contrast? said was that they lifted a billion people out of poverty. It was mm-hmm. in one lifetime, mm-hmm. and that's more than America will ever do. Because the wealth and privilege of the ruling class in America is more important than the life of every single American uh, in this country. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that that's like, I'm not saying I I believe that, but I'm I'm saying that's the sort of system systemic structure okay. we have. Let's let's stick with the metaphor because what did you say baked into? You know what was baked into the founding of Chinese civilization? Feudalism of the cruelest sort you could imagine. Sure, all kinds of de- de- uh, despotism. But that's what communism broke with. That's what communism broke with. And you know what they still call themselves? Proud, patriotic Chinese. And there is zero reason that the proletariat can't do something similar here. There is nothing. Well, I I mean, Uh, but but you're proposing two different Americas, let's say. Like, I think you're a fan of, like, Walt Whitman's America. And, you know, and and I'm talking about the America of, uh, do you you ever see um, Killing Them Softly? The the movie with Brad Pitt where he's the a, Dave Chappelle stand up. No, no, I'm afraid I only know no, the no, 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 At the end of the movie, he Brad Pitt is a he's a hitman and they're not paying him. And he basically mm-hmm. says, you know, like Barack Obama is playing in the background and and talking about uniting America and and the guy that Brad Pitt is talking to says, see, you're you're a cynic, like, and he says, you know, no, I'm not a cynic. America mm-hmm. is not a fucking country. America is a business. So fuck you, pay me. You know, mm-hmm. so there's there's no mm-hmm. there's no collective. There's just a bunch of people oppressing each other. And mm-hmm. so it's so an those empire. Are, I think th- those are the two Americas, right? You have this aspirational Walt Whitman America, where like uh-huh. we get along That's with the Indians and, and we don't kill and them. And then there's uh-huh. the Brad Pitt America of people doing uh-huh. heroin and robbing mafia, like you know, poker night. 
right? Uh-huh. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to get Z, I'm not going to get Zizek, you know, like <laughs> nothing about that movie you just cited undercuts anything I said. It's a movie. <laughs> um, well, I, I don't understand the point that was made. I genuinely don't. Well, what do what do Because I, mean, I look think Bill Evan Brad Pitt's, you know, killing them softly America, not in Walt Whitman, as much as I like Walt Whitman as a poet. And All I, empires I, are a unification of different nationalities under a sort of like iron um, uh, institutional structure with a bureaucracy and um, a sort of central economic arrangement. And I think, like, if you want to understand, I think United States seems similarly, you know, to be a similar sort of thing. If you talk to people, they like um, the idea that. You know, not too much federal government. We have the states, and even you know, hear this from ruling the, you know, in the ruling class rhetoric. You know, roll back the federal government. I mean, we don't have a nation state. We have uh, an imperial structure which unites many nations, and it's just enough nation to, or just enough state, federal, universal state to support industry where needed, but not for working people. And and that's why I think you'd really have to redo the basic structure if you wanted to make it for working people. Are you saying that this is a, what, what you were just expressing, this is a general sentiment of workers? Or no, no, I mean, sorry. so look at the Habsburg Empire, the Ottoman Empire. Mm-hmm. They're always multinational. They're, they always include different ethnicities and sort of unite different things under one sort of um, power structure which is sort of economically oriented and i think that describes america in fact because we have a sort of loose federal government with then with states so there's not too much regulation on oligarchs just enough to like give them whatever mm-hmm. they need and so if you really wanted this kind of um thing that i think you think america is you, what, you would, what do i think america is currently uh a unified something which is unified in more sense, in in a greater sense than just this sort of um, machine for exploitation of working people. Yes. Yeah, and I think you would need a different country to have what you think it is. It's... Disagree. <laughs> I mean, you, you, yeah, I, I just haven't been persuaded with what's been presented so far. Um, I do, I do like though. I do like the idea of Walt Whitman's America. That's a good way of summing. You know, up what he was I'm a racist, about. right? What? He, you know, he was a racist. Yes, right? I do. And then <laughs> we can go on to Hegel and Marx and Engels. Marx was all the different things that they said. Marx was Jewish. About. Marx was Jewish. Yes, yes, yes. As a Jewish man. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, Walt Whitman's America, what was I going to say about that? Oh, yeah. The Soviets and their literary critics, they were really into Walt Whitman. And I think this is this is part of part of what they saw. Because you had a similar situation in in Russia, you had a very exploitative, uh, right. cruel uh, system, and uh, then you had a revolution, and mm-hmm. the through line of that was great pride in the Russian state, the Russian nation, great patriotism. This is what World War II was. Well, still Russia called. was an empire too. Russia was an empire too. Transnational. Why is America this unique, big, bad exception to all these different patterns? Why do we have to be the ones to disown any sort of nation? Because uh, we're the only one claiming that we're exceptional, aren't are we not? I mean, well, like, with the exception the US of military bases in 150 countries. Yeah, because we have dollar hegemony. Because we spend our money all over the world, and then when they have all those dollars and don't know what to do with them, and they buy back our bonds, and it's just a giant money laundering scheme. Yeah, I mean, America. I mean, Russia doesn't do that. China doesn't do that. I mean, 
So wait, so because uh, you because you said earlier, Russia does have a, a history of of empire. I think Soviet the Soviet um, Soviet Republic had a kind of imperial structure. No, no, no. I'm t- I'm not even talking about. I mean, because we can get into that debate. Uh, but I'm talking about like pre-revolutionary Russia, pre-revolutionary China, and comparing these situations to America before we have some sort of. Uh, workers revolution of, of any kind why why is america the exception why would america as an entire nationhood concept have to be torn asunder for that sort of revolution to be successful okay so i think america was historically progressive in the in the respect that it it was it is the house the capital built so to speak and so to the extent that capitalism is the global revolution and that in the sense that, you know, it washes away the past. It brings in, it gets rid of tradition. It gets rid of superstition, all these things, you know, like Mark says, you know, capitalism brings in something like equality. The the uh, Marx theory of social development and all that. Also technological innovation and so forth. Uh, That's all great. Mm -hmm. The question is just, um, you know, whether that's not just what it is, that's what that's just what we have is, and um, so I don't see how you can keep that and go beyond it. And it's- we're then we're completely at odds because, and this gets back to our question uh, a while back that whatever his name is, Werner Sombart question: Why hasn't socialism happened in America? I would argue that it's because uh, for for one reason maybe socialists in the U.S don't think dialectically, they think in this binary. And what they tell the working people of the United States is that if you're going to have this socialist revolution with us, then you have to sacrifice on the altar of it any idea that you have of national community, of bonds with each other that you that you feel is signified in that flag, in your feelings of patriotism, in your feelings of unity among all these different states. Just throw that on the fire. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the actual institutions that we have that America signifies. Again, and now we're just circling back, though. Okay. Because so- Ru- Ru- Russia and China, they they both had, if you want to give those examples, they both had those same things that they signified but, as well. But they don't, right? They don't. Because when, when, the Soviet Union, when the Soviet Union happened, they took all the SARS shit and they threw it out. Correct. All the American stuff is all imperial stuff. All of it. Um, Thomas Jefferson the, the, was a serial rapist who had slaves. Like literally, yeah, Thomas sure. Jefferson was a serial rapist who had slaves, and people venerate and worship this guy. Okay. Yes. So, so yes. the flag, not good. The flag, bad, bad. bad. Well, the flag, the eagle, the the military, uh-huh, uh-huh. all of that construct. It has to be thrown out. Uh-huh. You're not, you're not you, 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 you know, it has to be transmuted beyond recognition if you want to do anything positive with this. Country. OK, yeah, you got to do it. I've, I've fortunately learned differently from the lessons of the Russian Revolution and the Chinese. Revolution. <laughs> I can tell you so many stories about different czars and different Qing emperors and different. Did Ming the flag emperors. change? They did oh, it. my God. The, 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 the flag, rape, the, the plunder, the flag changed. The, the I'm, I'm all for that. Every, every, everything, yeah. everything related to the nature of the state okay. change. I think I see where the okay. So you're thinking here. No okay, one is maybe, saying. No one is saying you need to change every individual in the United States. But but right, the, right. but the entire state apparatus <sighs> has to change, right? 
the whole I thing. I see where we're at. Like for with instance, our, with we need a federal system. So I where? would, yeah, I would totally, I mean, I would take it to, I would love to take it to a vote just like the CPC did, but I would change our flag. I would change our national anthem. I would, I would do these things. It's like a, um, would you change the name? what would you change the name? I don't know. No, because the name's fine. What's wrong with the name? In fact, I don't. I don't know if I would well, change I the flag either, the but the I'm national to... anthem could be better. Yeah, it's Battle it's... Hymn of the Republic, y'all. Uh, shout out to Logo, what's his name on Twitter? I, I, I mean, it, it's like him. it's like it's like saying you know it's like saying Germany can change. You don't need to get rid of the Nazi flag. It's cool. Let's keep I, it. I reject that. I don't think it's like saying that. It's exactly <laughs> the U.S. has killed more people than the Nazis did. That's uh-huh. how fucking crazy it is. Like people do uh, not want to get that through their fucking heads. That's the crazy part. Um, like well, the I mean, difference, it, though, I think I is... feel like I'm just gonna keep going in circles because I would just because China's already done this, and I can go back through all the brutal dynasties. I've read about them. I've read plenty. I'm about not saying them. they're better or something. So then, why are we this exception that we can't have? Because, I'm still stuck on this. because look, I live here. Uh-huh. I live here, and this is what I have to deal with. Yeah. It's, this isn't I, a competition. It's not a comparison. It's not a who's morally better, who's morally worse. It's like, what would you have to do uh, in order to have a society which is not based on exploitation? You would have to be willing to reckon with the workers' patriotism, which leftists sure, and fine. socialists are not able to do. That's a technical. That's, the, that's a technical question. Uh-huh. Like that, Aristotle says in his rhetoric, like you have to speak to the audience you have. Correct. That's obviously true. Mm-hmm. No one's contesting that. But the question is, at the end of the day, what are you going to have? Because if everybody you're talking to wants tomorrow to have everything that you have today, then you're not talking about a change. Like, if everybody you're talking to says, oh, yeah, let's change this everything is, except leave this and this and this right. and this and this. This might be the misunderstanding because I think I think we're not, and I, I'm sure I'm not clarifying if what they would need, be kept and if what they would need be thrown to have, in the ash bin of history. Well, apple pie is staying. Yeah, see, there we go. See, you see what, is this really what we're getting down to? Are we getting down to an itemized uh, list of what we keep and well, what we throw out? Well, I mean, this is what the CPC had to deal with. This is what uh, Lenin's party actually had to deal with. So that's not a, that's not a, a yeah, question. Y- you are going to have to deal with some of that nonsense. I mean, there's no way. I mean, we are going to have yeah. to get rid of all the Confederate flags, right? Like, and mm-hmm. we're like, we're just going to have to do that. And yeah. we're going to have to get rid of all sorts of random shit. I mean, because you're saying, oh, you have to deal with the fact that they have patriotism. But that patriotism is not really a function of the U.S. It's just a function of the need to feel that they belong to some kind of collective. So you need to redirect that emotional affectation towards something productive and not towards a country that has been enslaving and killing people for 200 years. I mean, uh-huh. it, it, I don't I don't see, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Who says these people aren't just the white army? Like you say it again. Who says that those folks aren't just the white army? Which like, folks? So talking about the Confederate flag, it's not uh-huh. like everybody in this geographical unit is going to be fine with it, because some of them are going to say, you know what, Chet, I'm not OK with what you're proposing. And I'm one of those good, honest Americans you're talking about. And I think, you know what? Fuck you. What fuck me if I do what you you know any of your I promised I wasn't going to cuss sino uh, sino commie politics. I mean, a lot of these good patriotic workers that you're saying that yeah. um, socialists need to speak to in their own sort of register, they're going to be your opponent. Just like in Russia, you had the the white army and you had the people who opposed it. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, of course. So There's going to be people who are not going to support uh, support this at all. Wait, wait, but what's your point? 
Well, I mean, who are these people that we that uh, that the left or socialists or whatever uh-huh. um, would need to um, to uh, I don't know conform with? I mean, because if it doesn't include the ones who aren't going to go with you anyway, reject that verb. What do you mean conform with? I'm not okay because this might be there might be some projection. Dare I say, I am a patriot. I love this country. Um, I'm not. <laughs> he rolls his eyes. <laughs> what does that even what mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? That is like the most. That doesn't have a truth value. That proposition yeah, yeah. is just they, like which country? Be, because I mean, because I'm I'm taking too much of the what, opiate. What, I'm I mean, too what, I'm too stuck in the in no, the superstructure. What, what, what do you? What, I mean, ha, have you lived in every state? Do you love every state? Do you love New Jersey? What, yeah. Do what's you, the do you object? Love the Rocky there? Mountains. I mean, like. Do you love mm-hmm. the people uh, who make apple pie or do you love the people? I mean, like that, yeah. it, it, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like you love a referent that you don't even understand. Uh-huh. Well, you uh, certainly haven't perceived empirically. No, no, no. Like, I, like I'm talking about the superstructure. I'm taking the opiate. No, I, but I mean, on. like empirically speaking, you haven't witnessed. So you say America, but like mm-hmm. certainly the overwhelming majority of that object you're referring to you haven't seen okay do so, i have so to? what is it what do do okay I, I i love oh let's start here i love my wife do i know everything about my wife oh what a what a nonsensical uh no that's uh, that's actually that, that's a really bad non-analogous metaphor but yeah okay you, you know because you actually interact with your wife you you've known you know you know yeah, you sort of probably know her pretty well know her 90% well, like you, and not only that, but your wife talks back to you. America does not talk to you, right? America is not <laughs> yes, like it does. a person. Let's, let, no. let's get back to Walt Whitman. So, Absolutely, it oh, does. Oh, man. You oh, yes. Sure people. Oh, oh yeah. So, okay, so you Absolutely love, you, you, it does. okay, so if you're going to tell me you love Walt you speak Whitman's to the America, wind. then that's fine uh-huh. because that's not a political construct and you can go on and read Leaves of Grass and we'll deal with politics and economics and that's fine. <laughs> I as long as you don't um, insist I, that we keep this I don't, particular political, I reject, I reject, I reject as, the false binary. I reject long, the false as long, binary. As long as you don't insist that we keep this political structure and this social structure in place because you love America, then whatever uh, you go on loving America. It's like people, you see that. It's like people that who might love be cars. Uh huh. That might be where we got off on the wrong foot because I, um, as as I've been citing <laughs> examples from the Chinese Revolution, from the Russian Revolution, it I doesn't could really cite, change anything. I could cite others. I have never insisted from the beginning of this debate that we keep the same political structure. I would encourage anybody who considers themselves a, a leftist, who considers themselves a socialist in the West, to reject the false uh, binary, the false dichotomy of nationalism and internationalism. This is not a zero-sum game. It is a dialectic, and it is okay to be patriotic. Love your country. Now, if I said that what we need is just more capitalism, and that's what America is, and that's why I love America, then that would, that would, the argument would make a lot more sense to me. Here's the thing. Uh Uh-huh. If you tell me you love your wife, I can ask you, well, what about your wife makes you love her? And you could say things, right? So what is it about this construct America that you love, right? Because it's your mental yeah. construct. It's not like one that, unless we're talking about very specific, you know, it's like someone said, like, you can't do this in the Bay Area. And I'm like, wait, the Bay Area is not a political structure. So does that mean south of of, of 
of San Jose or the, right, right. whereas your right. wife, we know exactly what entity your wife is. So what do you mean by America? And then what is it about America that you love so much? Yeah, that what are the virtues? Change? Well, that was probably a better analogy. Rewind to that example. Somebody told you, you quote, you can't do that in the Bay Area. Yeah. What was what was the context there? I, I can't go into it because of attorney client privilege. Right. So it was, it was probably, it was probably, it was probably, you know, legally related, you know, something and so on. And there are these legal, uh, so you want me, I, if that's the analogy, I can give you a legal definition. Like I said definition. before, what's the object when you say America? Contiguous what? That's like what I was saying before. Like, what's the object when you say America? What are you referring to? It's a word, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a four letter word, I think. From But, um, do you, I mean, we can do the Marco's legal answer. Do you want to do that? Just the when legal you say, boundaries of it? Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, because it, it sounds like if you said his client, you know, attorney privilege, then that's what we were dealing with. So that's the 48 contiguous states, Alaska and Hawaii. All right. So not Puerto Rico, not Guam, not the Marianas, it. or none of the military bases. And, and the, the, uh, what, the what, what, what is the or- and, Orwellian yeah, yeah. term they use and the protectorates? But that would be a whole nother question where we would get into, you know, similar to things that Trotsky. Lenin had to deal with uh, as well. But yeah, I, I, okay, so you love a landmass. Um, again, and it's like the analogy. A non-contiguous landmass that you have not Again, the analogy. The of. So you, you asked, because you used the analogy of what is the Bay Area, and then I asked the context. You said it was a legal context, and so I said, okay, I'll give you a legal definition of what America is. All right, so, but that's and what I you love. You love, the, you love the 40, the, the contiguous and non-contiguous landmasses of the jurisdiction known as the United States of America. Yes. All right. <laughs> okay, you can keep loving that. We'll we'll change the rest. Uh-huh. To be clear, I think. But what are... if what if we get rid of one of the, what if we get rid of one of the one of the the the, the what if the we non- buy a new one? More importantly, or take one over? What if what if Hawaii know, becomes, becomes a state? What what if Hawaii becomes independent? Would you still love Hawaii, or would you no longer love Hawaii? <laughs> so the, yeah, these these are, I mean these are the same kind of questions you that think the Constitution um, is that, that cool? the uh, the Communist Party had to deal with. Uh, this, I mean, I'm just saying, these cool. are the kind of things, the questions we're going to have to deal with. Do we send in tanks to Hawaii, etc.? Well, you know, you're going to need boats first. Right, right. <laughs> do we, do we fly? Do I, we, I, uh, I just, yeah. it, it just seems like a strange hang up, you know, like. It, right. It comes back to one of my favorite preoccupations, which is Marxism and the national question. This is what all of these, the non-aligned nations, the USSR, China, this is what the 20th century, it brings um, new developments in Marxist thought to light based on all these independence movements and everything. And if we're going to have a similar revolution here, we're going to have to actually wrestle with these national questions but, much more seriously than the left has, than see, to just say, well, I, I, I'm an internationalist. I think sure, all, sure. this is all highly anachronistic, right? Because the nationalism stuff is really like a Napoleonic era thing, right? Which it started to fall apart by, by World War One, And World War One was an attempt to reinstate the whole national thing right, as an important right. thing in order to suppress right. socialist movements, right? So, so that, that's the, the Western definition. Uh-huh. As oh this national, well, as as these sort of socialist movements start progressing, the national question starts becoming, in a sense, more and less important because you will start getting a fragmenting of national identities into smaller clusters of cultural identity. Right? What's happening in Europe all over the place, like in Spain with Catalonia and the Basque Country, and you know. 
and and in in mm. the UK with Scotland, who's they're they're out. They're, at some point, they're leaving. This is not a matter of mm -hmm. if; it's a matter of when. Right. But uh, so as the economic things become more interlaced, and they become uh, and and socialism starts working its way through. Uh, mm -hmm. America, as you know it, it's just not going to stay the way it is. It's just not going to happen. There isn't, I mean, people in the West Coast think of the East Coast as some mythical land that old mm -hmm. people live in, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, that's well said. Yeah, yeah and, you're right. You're right. And they're not really, I mean, like when I tell them, oh, I, I saw the, the, the Liberty Bell, they're like, wow, that's really old. That's from that's another yeah, like, yeah. universe, you know? Um, uh -huh. Philadelphia. That's what I meant like about imperial structure, though. We have a bunch of, it's like a bunch of semi-nationalities united under one military industrial complex mm -hmm. and currency. Yeah. So if there's a nation to be had there, it's one that's to come and not one agreed. that you can appeal backwards to. 100% agreed. It's not here. So you love, you love the people of the future. Of course. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, uh, yeah. Right. I, 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 must, I, I must have missed the joke. I think saying you love the people of the future is a good way to end this. All right. So <laughs> I don't want to be clear. I love the people of the present, but I love what the future holds. I'm deeply an optimist. Uh -huh.